Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dorsey Wright Podcast for Wednesday, February the 26th. I'm Jay Gragnani. And I'm Ian Saunders. Last week of February. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe that, that two months of 2020 are already in the books, or mm-hmm. almost in the books. Yeah. And hard to believe that the um, epidemic, I think it's, it's safe to say now, is uh, almost two months old, and when you and, and that obviously being the coronavirus, um, you know, for the first couple of months this year, we were talking just you know you go back to the end of last year, and that's when we first started hearing about the coronavirus, and then the you know, mid January, the first person uh, confirmed to have died from the coronavirus in China, and you know for for much of that time, you know January, late January, early February, even into mid February, um, the, the markets really didn't see any negative effects from it. Um, the markets, as a matter of fact, the, the, here in the U.S., the S&P 500 moved to new all-time highs just as, as early as a week ago. Mm-hmm. And so we're sitting here now coming on the heels of Monday and Tuesday, so the 24th and 25th, of seeing two days where the market was down 3% each of those two days, which that in and of itself is, is a rare occurrence for the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are recording this Wednesday where um, the markets have been have been all over the place and seemingly uh, reacting on a lot of news, a lot of different organizations coming out, um, uh, whether it's been the CDC, the World Health Organization, whoever it's been. And, and um, so markets certainly reacting to that. But I want to go back to something for a second. We, we, went, we, we mentioned earlier um, th- this occurrence that the market hasn't been down Three percent in two consecutive days very often, mm-hmm. and that you know to, to put that into perspective, this is just the tenth time that the S and P has ever seen the market down three percent. You know, going back to about 1950, mm-hmm. and a bunch of those. So if you were to to look back at that, this is the tenth time. Um, five of those came in 2008 alone. Mm. So if you take 2008 out for a minute, not that we can remove that from our history, but obviously 2008 being um, an anomaly of a year in terms of market returns, you know, this is only the sixth time that, mm. that we've ever seen it happen and the first time uh, in, in almost five years going back to August of 2015. And so, you know, it, certainly that, that is not lost when we see the volatility picking up, we see the magnitude of the vol- volatility picking up, and certainly seeing the impacts on that from a number of charts that we're seeing today. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned there as well, the most of the virus fears and, and the kind of uh, headlines started to come out about that right around mid-January time, uh, time frame. And that was when the S&P was making new all-time highs and also in pretty heavily overbought territory. Yeah. The S&P as a whole just for the index in and of itself was right around 100% overbought on a, at the end of the week on January 17th. Um, and now we're flipped a little bit from that, right? We were 100% overbought and now the, the index is at 97% oversold. Um, so definitely a um, definitely and solidly oversold territory at this point. And I think a lot of, a lot of people were um, expecting a little bit of a pullback when we saw 100% overbought readings, um, but not many people were probably expecting it this quickly. Uh, but if you look at that peak to trough where we are now kind of uh, kind of drawdown, we're only at, we're just at, at over 7% decline, mm-hmm. uh, which obviously it never it never seems great when you're in it. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, a pullback from those all-time highs, from those overbought territory is, it, um, at the end of the day, a healthy thing for markets, um, at least as, in, in the current state of things that we're in here now. Yeah, I mean, 7% historically is not Unreasonable. Mm-hmm. The market, on average, pulls back ten percent at least about once a year. Seven mm-hmm. percent is, is certainly very, very normal. Um, this one just came in a matter of 
four days, yes. which is is obviously you know very quick to see some of that pullback, and so that's resulted in uh, markets indexes, uh, U.S. Uh, in particular, moving into to pretty heavily oversold levels, and and as we're you know talking about this today, the markets um, were up uh, this morning, now they're down, and so a good chance of seeing those oversold levels push even further into oversold territory. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, nonetheless, what I think was is, is certainly worth talking about is um, the, the the media certainly has a way of, of providing the hysteria out there and, and kind of fueling on that and um, you know that that's that's part of our lives right that's that's part of the day in, in terms of you know TV social media whatever it might be and so you know especially in these times I think it's really really important to take a look at some perspective and gain a little bit of perspective um, obviously the the weekly distribution and the point and figure charts can help do that but looking back at previous markets where we've seen similar health health epidemics out there. And just kind of in, in recent history, there's there's been a number. Uh, you, you think back to Ebola mm-hmm. um, back in, in kind of beginning late 2013 and that running, you know, really into about mid-2016. You think of, of H1N1 or the swine flu that uh, started really at the end of, of um, 2000 and, or excuse me, the end of March of 2009, I think the first confirmed case was in April of 2009, mm-hmm. and that ran for a little over a year until May of 10. And then SARS, mm-hmm. that was the last one that with kind of the, the Chinese uh, origination there, and that was back in the, the 02-03 time period. And so, you know, I, I think it's worth kind of looking at those three different um, epidemics, uh, very similar now in kind of scope and 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 spread and and concern and fear out there about where we're dealing with the coronavirus. And still, um, you know, you, you look at those, and each one of those lasted at least a year, and, and in some cases multiple years. And here we are in the coronavirus uh, situation, looking at about two months, uh, you know, plus or minus a, a day or so, but we're looking about two months in. And so the biggest question on our, on our minds and certainly the minds of many of our, our clients is, well, what, you know, what has happened around those events in terms of markets? Um, you know, they're, they're tragic events. Thousands of people have lost their lives as a result of these. Um, and so we don't want to lose sight of that. But when it, it's interesting to dig into some of the data and look at the market reaction over those time periods, and it's pretty interesting. And, and so um, we'll have some more detail in, in, a, in a formalized uh, published research paper in our daily equity report coming out later today, Wednesday, the, the 26th, as we're recording this. But um, I guess I'll summarize a lot of this data just as we're looking at it here as um, what we did is we looked at those kind of start periods for each of those three epidemics and looked at, at market returns from the S&P 500 to um, global stocks, emerging markets, developed to bonds and gold. And when you look across the board for at least U.S. equities, both large and, and, and uh, small cap U.S. equities, in each of those environments, the, the start date to end date saw positive net returns. And in most cases, those returns were double digits. Hmm. For instance, in the case of SARS, you go back to October 2002 until July of 2003, the S&P 500 was up over 12%. Hmm. In the case of swine flu, um, now the timing of that being April of 2009, which was basically a month after the market bottomed, until May of 2010, small caps were up 50, another 57%, S&P up 37%, and then Ebola in that 13 to 16 time period, the S&P 500 up another 15%. Wow. And so there certainly is precedent during these health epidemics out there 
to see positive returns from the market. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't exactly tell the whole story mm -hmm. um, and really doesn't tell the story that, that many investors experienced during that time period as in each of those cases, when we look at kind of max drawdown numbers, there has been double-digit drawdowns in each of those different time periods. Mm -hmm. um, so that's all to say that you know this these epidemics historically, at least the three that we've seen, haven't led to um, catastrophic market events, uh, but they have led to periods of increased volatility um, before they are able to resume and, and continue to move forward. So as we look at it today, um, markets off eight percent from its highs. Wouldn't be a surprise to see some more volatility until the coronavirus situation resolves itself, which, you know, maybe in a couple months, it may be another year um, from now before that the, the, the full scope of, of everything is under control. But um, having some of that perspective is certainly something useful, I think, as we're, we're trying to navigate these markets. Absolutely. And it can be uh, especially helpful when you're in conversation with clients. We've gotten a fair yeah. amount of the phone calls. Um, if we're getting phone calls, we're sure y'all are getting phone calls as well. People are wondering what to do or at least what what is going on. And and information such as that is going gonna, is gonna, to uh, definitely maybe help put some people at ease or at least explain the situation a little more. Uh, in terms of looking at the current state of things as well, kind of how to move forward from here, um, well, that's kind of why we have the indicators that we have on the yeah. platform, right? I mean, we're still seeing the broad long-term strength from domestic equities as a whole across Dolly and asset class group scores. Um, but in looking some of the, at some of the other indicators that we've highlighted in a few of the research pieces uh, this week, such as the, the bullish percent charts that, that you ha we have there in the, under the technical indicator report, um, we saw most of the major bullish percent charts reverse down into O's. Uh, the BP NYSE did reverse into O's a little bit earlier, a couple weeks ago, and has continued lower uh, current chart level there at 46%. Um, and as we highlighted in the report on Monday, that's going to be what is what we would call the yellow zone. So defense would technically be on the field with the bullish percent charts in O's. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean dumping out and moving to cash, uh, but there are some other helpful uh, pieces in there in the report there from Monday uh, that you could use, such as maybe um, substituting ETFs to um, hedge your individual stock risk. Right. Some of these stocks, you mentioned the volatility, they're going to be moving around a bit more. E ETFs might, might be um, a better route to look at, it, I guess, in the near term there. Um, but really maintaining those stronger relative strength sectors um, in, in the market um, is going to be the place you want to be right now, whether that's through the Dolly rankings or whether that's through just identifying uh, what sectors still have those positive relative strength against the market there. Um, and then we highlighted a couple of those areas, um, areas that have improved um, since the kind of outbreak started here in the report from yesterday and the ETF spotlight, uh, looking specifically at some healthcare names that had improved, and then really utilities has continued to show strength. Um, showed strength for what, almost 18 months now at, at this point. It's been quite a while of um, one of that being one of the, the stronger areas that has held up there in the market. So uh, definitely a great, great couple articles there to reference in terms of further talking points with clients, but also some potential ideas on how to move forward from this and what indicators to follow from here. You mentioned you know, sectors and obviously everything across the board since the market hit new highs have pulled back mm -hmm. quite a bit. A um, couple of the areas you mentioned, utilities being right there towards the top of the list has held up r extremely well relative to, you know, 8% off for the S&P 500. The utility sector as defined by uh, XLU, which is just a, a you know, sp uh, spider uh, select sector ETF down just 3%. So down less than half of the market uh, in terms of, of the utilities and, and real estate actually holding up uh, very, very well uh, during that time period. Um, another thing, too, when we look at this and you think about, um, obviously, the, the, the epicenter of the virus outbreak has been 
in China mm-hmm. with that spreading outside of China, but but really starting in China, um, lots of lots of um, cases that the vast majority around the world being in China. There's been you know many cases now in, in other areas, including Korea and Japan and uh, Italy being a big one, and just today um, seeing one confirmed in in Latin America and Brazil specifically. And so you know one would think that geez you know when we think about equities, that the Chinese economy is is just going to be crippled by this. The equity market is going to be um, uh, crippled, is going to... But has that been the case? When we look at the China equity market, um, what's going on there? So we definitely saw um, Chinese equities have a fair amount of weakness right at first because, they, as you mentioned, they were really the epicenter where it was um, starting to ha- or happen right at the beginning of this year with some, some rumors going on. And then after at first that occurred in mid-January, um, fair amount of difficulty that we saw there. But one way that we can look to track the movement of those individual stocks um, in China in and of itself is through the, the Shanghai bullish percent, another one of the bullish percent charts that we have on the platform. Um, and so this is going to be tracking the, the um, security, some of the A shares within China, within the, the Shanghai exchange there, um, which have we've seen held, um, have held up a little bit better than um, some of the other areas, whether it's investment in China through Hong Kong or through U.S. exposure, obviously a variety of different ways to get at some of those companies. But those A shares in China have been some of the names that have um, seen a little bit more return to positive strength here recently. Um, and on that bullish percent, that Shanghai bullish percent chart, the ticker BPSH-SH there, um, that chart fell below below 30%, which is typically the area where we start to identify within bullish percent charts to, okay, you get a reversal back up to the upside, uh, might be a place to at least start to get some names together, or at least look for some more positive strength. And then we saw it return back up into a column of X's there um, last week on, on February 18th. And it's crept steadily higher over the past few days uh, where the broader kind of global equity markets have continued south. So definitely a positive sign to see that continued strength there. And then when we're looking across at some of the other um, equi- Chinese equity representatives, such as um, an A-share ETF, right, the Crane Shares China A ETF, ticker KBA, um, fell off significantly there at uh, right at the end of January, did break through just to a negative trend there at 29 right at the beginning of the month here, but has since rallied all the way back up to now be bumping right up against that negative trend line right, right at 33. Uh, would need to creep a bit higher to return to a positive trend there, but definitely a good sign that we've seen that kind of continue follow through back to the upside from the broader A shares there as well. And a lot of the areas that have been taken the, or at least kind of holding up better within the Chinese equity space um, have been some of the high growth areas that we've seen perform well um, well in China um, for, for quite a while now. Um, one of the first ones that comes to mind there is the internet space. Um, a lot of those, those internet companies, whether it's Alibaba, Tencent, those are the bigger names that everybody really knows within China there. Um, and one of the funds that holds, um, has solid holdings in most of those is the Crane Shares China Internet ETF to, uh, KWEB. KWEB. and when you look at that chart, you never would have guessed that that was a Chinese equity ETF based, based on all the uh, based on all the news headlines. We're looking at four consecutive buy signals there. Um, it most recently completed a bullish triangle right at the beginning of the month, reversed back up into a column of X's yesterday to set up a more near-term support level. It's currently sitting at $50. Um, $50. Near-term support is going to be right there at $48.50. And it's right around normalized trading levels too. So um, definitely a fair amount of areas that, w- that we're seeing within China that are kind of continuing to creep higher, which you might not necessarily expect given most of the international headlines there. Yeah, it's it's really, really interesting when you look at some of those names that you mentioned in the Chinese equity space, um, obviously very, very important um, for, for 
Chinese investors, but you know the the Chinese equity market is about thirty percent of the um, market cap of all emerging markets out there, and so you know the Chinese equity market is is you know the the market that is at the the, the largest um, weighting within you know most of these broad based emerging market products, and so you know certainly um, important market to look at there. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, outside of that, in terms of, of just stuff that's happened this week and, and, you know, maybe not flown under the radar, but has, you know, didn't get as much coverage as, as the coronavirus to China issue has, has seen, have been interest rates. Mm. And, you know, earlier this week, interest rates moving to 10-week, moving to all-time lows, 30-week, uh, excuse me, 10-year, 30-year interest rates, so the yields themselves moving to, to all-time lows and continuing to see that the the yield on the S&P 500 index uh, higher than the yield on the 10-year yield index, which is, is really interesting. Um, but that has provided some uh, tailwinds for areas we talked about earlier, so things like utilities, um, higher yielding things, interest rate sensitive areas, um, typically doing well when as interest rates are going down. Um, the theory there is, is you know, investors looking for yield and income are going to the equity space as there's more income uh, to be had over there versus in, in the actual bonds themselves because interest rates are so low. Um, you know, so real estate utilities obviously up there. Um, like equities, interest rates now are very, very oversold. Uh, mm-hmm. in terms of their weekly distribution, in terms of their trading bands. So that'll be something to continue to watch. Um, would not be surprised to see uh, near-term rallies in the 10-year yield or in interest rates in and of themselves. Um, unlike equities or unlike the, the S&P 500 or the U.S. equity market, the trends of interest rates are negative, where the trends in, in, in stocks in U.S. equities are still generally positive. Again, you know, most indexes off eight to ten percent from their all-time peak, which was just last week. So you know we're we're a week removed from all-time highs on these equity indexes versus interest rates, and, and the ten-year yield index itself continues to be in a negative trend. Has been in a negative trend uh, for a couple of years now, and continues to just push to new fifty-two-week lows. Um, uh, and again, that's on the interest rate side. Mm-hmm. Would, again, oversold, wouldn't be surprised to see near-term rallies, but long-term trend of, of interest rates is still negative today. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these areas, I mean, we're speaking here on Wednesday. These are all, we're, uh, Wednesday is definitely our longest report day, so we'll be highlighting a lot of these in a little bit more in-depth fashion in the report today. Um, but another point I wanted to touch on on the daily equity report that we have, um, an event that we have coming up here pretty soon, um, is uh, a China update webinar, special update webinar that's that right. we have uh, tomorrow. So so um, this is going to be, we're very excited to have Brendan Ahern, who's the Chief Investment Officer at Crane Shares, joining us for a special update webinar on how the, the coronavirus has affected markets in China and how it's affected markets in the U.S. here as well. Um, so it's, it's that webinar is going to be held at 1 p.m. It will be recorded. We do realize it's a little bit short notice on, on terms of uh, announcing it there. But um, if you do register there, you can re- register through the Were You Aware. Um, it will be recorded. You will get a replay of that and that will be available. But we hope that everyone or Anyone who wants to learn more about it can join us uh, tomorrow at 1 p.m. Yeah. Um, to, to hear from us. And, from and these, these uh, Brendan specifically, you mentioned Crane Shares as a company, mm-hmm. is as closely tied into the Chinese um, public 
the, the Chinese investment landscape. Um, they are, you know, they, they are uh, China when it comes to being experts in the in the space. So it's going to be great to have them on talking about what's going on, uh, boots on the ground over there, what's going on in China right now um, from an investment landscape, from a general virus landscape, from an update. And then, um, you know, Ian will provide an update from, from our view and how the markets are playing out. So uh, be sure to at least sign up for that. Um, because it is during market hours, and understandably, <laughs> there might be some volatility that you need to deal with, talk to your clients about. Um, but be sure to listen to that, and, and that's going to give you some great ideas, um, great perspective in terms of what's actually going on in China right now. Absolutely, absolutely. And then uh, we do have another upcoming event as well that we wanted to highlight. We had um, opened up the registration there last week for the Spring 2020 Point and Figure yep. Institute uh, that's going to be held this year in in, uh, in Las Vegas. And so we have two uh, Point and Figure Institutes, one held in the spring, and in Vegas and then one in the fall here in Richmond. Uh, the spring one is going to be, it's a two-day event. It's going to be held April 23rd and 24th. Um, and we're, we're running close to the time that goes up for early bird pricing. So um, it will save you a little bit of money here if you do register in the next few days. Um, if you want any further information about that, again, April 23rd and 24th, it's going to cover a variety of content. A variety, we're gonna, um, most of the analyst team is going to be out there to meet yeah. with us. But then there's also going to be over uh, or close to 100 other advisors out there that use uh, the research that use the platform and each of them are probably going to use it in a little bit different way some of them might be worth networking with to um, figure out better ways that, that you might be able to apply that, that their use case to your business there so definitely a great opportunity there um, and again you can register for that through the were you aware as well yep that's great and uh, early bird registration uh, cuts off this month so mm -hmm. just a few more days to get in there um, at the early bird price and price, uh, it will be open. Registration will be open for a little while longer. Um, but if you want to kill two birds with one stone and you happen to be a football fan, <laughs> the dates, April 23rd and 24th, that our event is being held coincide with the start of the NFL draft, which happens to be held in Las Vegas this year. In Las so, Vegas. Um, so you can you can cut you can come and uh, learn some more about point and figure and see your team draft the next rookie of the year. There so. you go. There you go. Sounds great. Wonderful. Well, um, Ian, appreciate it. Uh, always good to be on talking uh, about the markets, very specifically, very topical uh, information about coronavirus going on, about China in general. Um, and and at, at the end of the day, it's about having perspective and maintaining perspective on the market. Uh, the best way that we know how to do that is through um, listening to the market and listening it to uh, through the lens of the point and figure method of technical analysis. And so uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us directly. Um, email address, you can reach us uh, at, at dwa at dorseywright.com. You can always reach us by phone at 804-320-8511. And um, as always, we appreciate you listening this week and look forward to talking to you next week.